you're listening to Club Management. I'm your host, Shannon Dawson, and on this show, we chat with artists, industry professionals, and DJs on how they're changing their communities through music. You can listen to the show on any of your favorite streaming platforms like SoundCloud, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts. Just type Club Management. And this is episode 37. Big ups to all the folks tuning in from uh, the UK, it looks like, and Melbourne. That's a nice one for us and a new one, too. I'm super happy to see you guys listening in on the show. And shout out to all the subscribers on Patreon as well, holding it down. You know, thank you guys for spreading so much light, especially in these challenging times. It uh, means the world to me, really. This week in particular, you know, things seem to be restoring back to some sort of normalcy for me. And I'm really, really happy about that. Truly appreciate it. And we had a big response on the last episode as well, which I was like completely blown away with. So, you know, one thing that makes this show so popular uh, for me is that I'm literally just here fangirling and <laughs> having the chance to to speak to people that I truly admire and um, that truly inspire me. So whether that be through their music, their story, their art, there's just something so special about sharing these stories, uh, not only for me, but with you and the fact that you dig it. That's like phenomenal. Oh, and shameless plug. So last Friday, I did this incredible Daft Punk tribute on my Twitch channel. And uh, we'd actually talked about the power of uh, Twitch on episode 30 with DJ Hourglass. But basically, Twitch has been just this incredible way for DJs like myself to stay connected with fans, especially as we await for the return of nightlife, right? So I've been starting this like really cool community over there where folks show up to the chat weekly. They watch me spin and they, you know, they talk and everyone interacts and it's so damn cool. Um, but the mix was fire in particular because I played a little bit from both of my favorite albums from Daft Punk, Homework and Discovery. Those are two albums that have really, really shaped me in terms of my introduction to uh, electronic music, even house music to some certain extent. So to hear about them splitting up was like devastating for me because I was really hoping they'd have something special after Random Access Memories. Um, but, you know, I guess we'll just have to see what both Guy and Thomas do next individually, which will be equally as exciting. But um, the thought of them doing something together, obviously, like trumps that, you know, <laughs> so it stings a little bit, but we'll just have to wait and see. But, you know, while the greats reset, there are still so many incredible artists currently building a legacy as we speak. And the guest that we have on today's show is building a prolific one right here in New York City. Meet the inimitable Chris Jones. The Bronx native and producer is blowing up in the electronic dance music scene for his sound that's rooted in Chicago's seismic and kinetic vibration of footwork. But we'd be remiss to label Kush as just a footwork artist. As a member of the Juke Bounce Work Collective, Kush's music shape shifts every project, drawing elements of jungle, house, and acid. while keeping your feet moving. But Kush is on a mission. Since 2018, the seminal producer has been churning out his genre traversing Strictly For My CDJ series that showcases exactly what he's all about. And with 12 down so far, we're in for a ride because he plans on dropping 40 upon our heads. However, even with his music skyrocketing to new heights, Kush remains humble often being seen as a voice of reason within the dance music community for voicing his opinions on the systemic barriers still in place for many artists of color in the industry. But there's no stopping Kush Jones. The burgeoning producer sat down with me to chat about his musical upbringing, why NFTs could change the game for artists, and what he's cooking up to release next. The pandemic has been um, a weird time for everybody, right? Um, but especially for artists who lost uh, a great deal of work from not having access to shows. But you really pushed through these last mm -hmm. couple of months. I mean, what really kept you going and inspired to keep creating throughout this time? I mean, a big piece of it was, so I don't know, a lot of times I tell people like these little anecdotes about how I said, 
I'm not going to give up on things. So even years before pandemic, it was like, um, I said labels and then the label would be like, oh, well, not right now. Or, you know, they would tell me they were working on something else. They had other projects. And so from that point, it kind of just put me to say like, you know, I'm going to do everything in my power to be as internal as possible. Or like if I'm working with other people, you know, I'm trying to be in-house and trying to build one another up. So a real big piece of it is like crew, like those are my people, they help uplift me and vice versa. Um, like Momo Reddy and um Acemo, those are two really good homies. DJ Swisher as well. He's in Jukebounce work. Um and then I got like the homie Bass Bear, he's another cool cat, El Blanco Nino. Um those are like some of the first people I met when I first started out doing music. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we just hold it down for one another. But uh, that's typically for me, at least, is a strategy, a plan. You got friends around you that have similar vision or that or the ability to execute. Because mm-hmm. um, that's the real big thing. It's like you can have a plan. Um, a and B would get you to point. But sometimes you need like a catalyst or you need to help you get started or you need people on your on your side to basically like help you reach that. Right. So. Um, yeah, that's that's the main way I pulled through is just, um, you know, talking to people, checking on, checking in, making sure everybody is cool as best as I can. Because, um, you know, I know some people that try to do it themselves and, you know, some succeed, but, you know, that, that kind of shit can like cripple you. It can it can consume you. So. Oh, man, definitely. I think there's um, there's power in community and there's power in numbers. So I definitely mm-hmm. agree with agree with you with that. Um, and, you know, I also see that, too, about you. I see you really being a voice of reason for a lot of the community here in New York uh, amongst artists. And you've been very transparent about, you know, for lack of a better term, some of the fuck shit that's going on in the industry, which I really respect. Like, what gives you the, the courage to kind of step forth, you know, step forth and say, you know, there's some things that are not right and things that need to change, I mean, a lot of times people don't want to speak out on these kinds of things because they feel like they feel like by talking about it, like talking about unfair pay or like, you know, being uncomfortable in the work environment that they're fucking up future bags and future opportunities. Mm -hmm. And what my response to that is, is basically like, okay, I, I feel you. It's like you don't want to get jammed up by somebody or speaking out on some shit that happened because you don't want to be viewed as um difficult so i said okay so the other way you can look at it is i'm not going to rely on these institutions these these platforms these things to like take advantage anymore i'm gonna not i'm i'm i, I would say the word cut out but um you know probably can't cut them out because like in this day and age like people are still gonna go and rock with what they need to get by right um so if you see See that it's tainted. You don't got to drink from there no more. You feel me? Like you could go do this shit and build up your own. You could get like-minded people. That's what I did. Cause my friends, we basically, we look at all these things in the industry as far as like, um, you know, privilege, people taking privilege over one another's work and people not being fairly compensated. And we just said, you're just going to do, we're going to do a week side to make sure we don't have to go down that road. And then it's like, if you ever have to go down that road or you got to deal with these people again, you could look at them and say, well, yo, me and my homies, we built this up ourselves. You know, like the same thing you're trying to do, we're already doing on our own. So we're going to work with you. We need more resource. We need the means to like take this to the next level. Otherwise, we cool over here. And it's no problem saying that. Yeah, no, that's very true. Um, it's interesting because I was literally just talking about this with Frankie on the last episode. And she was Word, saying, okay. Yeah, she was saying that she hopes when things do return to some sort of normal, that everybody in the scene just bands together and starts creating their own shit. And I mean, we've right, rightfully, we're starting to see that now, right? With like labels like House of Alter, um, and then you doing your own thing mm-hmm. as well. Um, but yeah, I really think that if we just kind of band together and especially amongst the black artists, right? Like start to form mm-hmm. our own collectives, our own clubs, our own festivals, things could change, you know? Right. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I saw a good piece um about like property because um owning spaces is something that friends like talked about a few colleagues and I'm just like, you know, it's so difficult because for a business loan or you try to go for like a mortgage and they won't allow you to get that. But I said, you know, something as simple as like 20, 30 black artists, we all get up and one person picks up a mortgage or like on a building, everybody pays that mortgage monthly until it's paid off. And it's like, you know, a mortgage payment is anywhere from like, uh, like let's say the mortgage is like 900 to a thousand dollars. Right. And then you got all these people that utilize the space you know, they all put kick in like 20 to 50 to 100 bucks if they can. Mm-hmm. The mortgage gets paid off. Now that space is owned. It's like, mm-hmm. um, so that's something I thought about, like, just in the grand scheme of things or like down the road. But it's back to what you were saying, like a community of everybody being on the same page. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone having the same mindset of we're going to use this thing and yeah, so hopefully there's more like unity in that sense as far as like business plans and overall just people not being foolish and doing wrong shit by one another. But, um, you know, we can pray. So, yeah, I hope so too. Um, I thought this was really interesting. I read that you made tacos for Marley Mar. Is that true? I make the tacos. I help my homie John P. Bless his soul. He's one of the best chefs. <laughs> best chefs in New York City. Mm-hmm. My son is out the Bronx. So shouts to him. But yeah, um, Uptown Vinyl Supreme, they had a vinyl party at the Bronx Beer Hall. And it was um I wanna say it was like spring going into summer. So I walked from my crib and yeah, just it was like a cool jam. They got Pete Rock as a special guest. Yeah. So it was definitely a vibe. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so John P, he's making tacos and but he he getting overwhelmed kind of. I'm like, all right, you know, like I'll pull up on because I, I used to work at a little coffee shop. So like um, you know, I serve food, I got food handlers, so it was legit. So I, I was like, Yeah, I'll help you out for a minute, bro. So he's over there cooking and fucking it was like a black and white um striped suit almost like beetlejuice type um suit fresh <laughs> as hell and it had like just all these rhinestones in it i'm looking at bro and i couldn't i couldn't put who it was but i knew it was somebody like popped i was like yo like i was like i right, i see you the, the he got the old school like player drip <laughs> and then um john turned around he's like oh shit yo that's molly maul and i'm just like fucking playing like what and yeah he was just like hey my girl just came over with the taco she had two nah, i need three of those and i'm just looking like yo we got you right now and you know john hooked it up wow. but it was jokes um seeing like a legend like just chilling at the spot um <laughs> yeah that's a quintessential new york moment like you never know who you're gonna just meet <laughs> city, you know <laughs> mm-hmm but yeah, man. So, um, you know, I think I'd be remiss to call you just a footwork artist, right? Because you traverse into so many different sounds, you know? Um, I hear soul, mm-hmm. I hear jazz, I hear hip hop at times. Um, what really served as the building blocks for the sound that you have now? I mean, it all points sampling. Like, that's how I first started making music. Um, and naturally, whatever you grow up, listening to or whatever you grow up around um you'll hear like samples other people use and you know it's just a vibe you'd be like I'm rocking with this um so for me like my first start was listening to a lot of a lot of hip-hop um but sampling was the catalyst that basically opened the door to yo here's here's footwork it was faster music it was fast paced it sounded different um, I like to tell people the two artists, so R.P. Boo and Tracksman, those were, Tracksman was the first, like, footwork I listened to, right. and then after that, it merged R.P. Boo, because Tracksman made freaky shit, where it's like, yo, like, the hairs were all over the place, and, and I asked him, and he told me, like, nah, that's West Side shit, you know, like, um, like, West Side it's kind of like um, sporadic and a bit all over the place. Right. And then South Side is like more of the juke, 
the house here is like four to the floor type B. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, sampling was like the catalyst. And then, um, you know, through sampling, you genres, it's like, heard this one sample flipped in a hip hop beat, but then you hear the footwork version and then you hear the jungle edit. And then you hear um, just all these different Jersey club, uh, Baltimore, like um, there's all these different genres, but it brought me to a point where the quickest way to introduce people to new music is the remix. Mm-hmm. Like that's the quickest way to get, um, you know, if you got a hip hop version of it and then you go get the house dub, um, trying to think of another great example like Mariah Carey's one of my facts from her is uh fantasy mm-hmm. so fantasy is like um like you play it in the car with your homies or your, or your girl summertime you driving around I heard that I'm like all right this is cool um and then David Morales next to it the house remix you know a lot of Latin like a lot of Latin drums the house mm-hmm. kick but it just all fit together so um yeah when you say like just not being set as a footwork artist it really just comes from like listening to a lot of stuff like um just a lot of good music and yeah developing a taste and saying like you know I I I don't have to listen to Hot 97 all day it's like there's other shit out there I could listen to um don't get me wrong I rock with Hot 97 but it's kind of like you know there's there's so much music out there yeah, it's so mainstream at this point. Um, but my mm. first introduction to a Kush Jones track was Make It Make Sense. And when I heard that, especially like mm. the sampling of, you know, the Nas and all that, I was like, oh my God, I just, I lost it. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah make it make sense was like the way it came about was um i feel like i'm gonna mess up the name so there's a track called all night long mm-hmm. like oh, that right. already existed it's by paris um, mitchell right that's right that's what it was paris mitchell yeah yeah okay right exactly so i took the two acapella i put um because it, it has um a similar key to um the the nas sample um whose world is this so i said let me just put together um but i called it make it make sense because i explained it to my homie it's just like yo you could literally take these two things and layer them over the top and boom you have like it makes sense like um (laughs) and yeah so it's ain't nothing crazy like someone asked for why you called it that and i told him the same thing yo just make it make sense and then boom (laughs) Yeah, it worked out perfect. Um, and then obviously we've got the Strictly for My CDJs series that is just growing and flourishing by the minute. And I love that everyone gives you a different taste, a different aspect or style of Kush Jones. Um, and you're going to try to push it to 40 volumes. Is there any significance behind the, the 40 or you just want to push it to 40? So, like, um, as a kid, like, we played battle, but, you know, like, if you really wanted to give it to somebody, be like, fucking, I'm going to drop 40 on you. And that's kind of like, you know, like, I the soul, but Kobe is like, yo, we got Kobe numbers. Like, we just try and ball. So, I said 40. I said 40 kind of as a joke, and I stopped and thought about it. I was like, yeah, I could do 40 in my lifetime. Like, it don't got to all be – because even, even in between, because um, I'm on volume – uh, we're going to drop volume 13 next. Yeah, so I'm on 12, but yeah, 13 is coming out next, off the next Bandcamp day. So I'm going to drop that one. But in between that, like, I dropped um, the Relief Projects, uh, Nice Day, um, State of the Wave. But I gave myself as, like, a tangible goal because you need you need goals. I hate numbers on things, but sometimes you need goals and you need things that are measurable to be like, all right, I'm on pace or Right. But that's the thing about it. There's no pace. It's like I didn't say 40 volumes by next week. It's like that's crazy. But, you know, 40 <laughs> volumes in a lifetime. That's a journey. If you're rocking with me, then cool. You know, we 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 on a ride. So that's how I look at it. Dude, but that's incredible. Some artists don't even make half of that, you know, so you got to really like give yourself a pat on the back for that, you know? <laughs> I mean, I'm chilling. Some of those artists are mean. That's why you see me. That's why I, I move how I move, because 
and this is partly why I, I move how I move and why I do music how I do it. Mm-hmm. It all comes from like love and passion. And, you know, I really try to invest in myself. I try to invest in the people around me that, you know, want to do this. And, you know, but sometimes you run into people that have different motives or they just look at you as like, um, you're not really about it. So, you know, sometimes you just got to do some shit to show people you about it. And I'm operating at the best capacity that I can. And I'm grow my put out the best music I can. And if you get a, you're gonna you're gonna service whatever motherfuckers say about you anyways. If you if you operate from that place in the heart, with your art, whatever it is you do, you know, like if you weld, if you want to be the best welder, but you got a welder at your job that talks shit. All right, well you know, fucking, I'm gonna keep welding. I'm I'm gonna get nice. <laughs> I'm gonna get nice at it and keep doing and keep doing me. Right. Um, right. Yeah. That's how I look at it. No, of course. I love that. That's a really, really great way of looking at it. Um, and it comes off so well. There's so much precision and detail that's put into each and every song off of all of the the, the, the releases so far. Um, and two of my favorite tracks so far from the series is Bear Belly and Gonza. Um, and I think that's off of uh, Nine, off of Strictly from my CDJ's Nine, yeah, right? Nine, nine yeah. is the one with like the street fighter, the street fighter type artwork. Um, yeah. Yeah, my homie Rich did that one. Um oh, so man. so Gonza and Bear Belly, those tracks were so I uploaded um uh, I well I didn't upload it myself that I found a while ago. I think it's funny because people are like, yo, you you uploaded 24 gigabytes of breaks, like you changed the game. I'm like, fam, like, you know, you have Google. That's an important thing. Like anyone listens to this heavy. Google is your friend. If you just go and type in <laughs> drum breaks or or sounds, like you'll find so much shit. And uh, I made a joke with a friend. I'm like, yo, like people shit post all day on Twitter and stuff. I'm like, yo, just leave Twitter alone for an hour. <laughs> go on, go on Google or go on Reddit and just type in samples and see how much information and see how much sounds pop up. You know, um, yeah. But that's the yeah. kind of shit I sit in the house and think about at times. It's like. Like, you know, um, this one 808 that everyone used, how can I take this shit and freak it my way? Like, how do I sound different with this same 808? Mm-hmm. And then you make the track and everyone's like, yo, this shit is crazy. And I'm like, yo, you probably have the sound. Like, you have the <laughs> sound already. Um, you know, you just got to, it's technique and you kind of got to, like, do your own thing with it. Yeah. Yeah, I think I saw that on Twitter that you pretty much compiled all these different break sounds and then you know tweeted about it and everyone was like, holy shit, thank you, man. I thought that was so awesome. Yeah, like, um, so I didn't, just just as a um, disclaimer, like, I did this together. Like, I just went, it's basically, I went and a resource that I found, I was just like, yo, take it. Because uh-huh. it's like, even when I share that 24 gigabytes of drum breaks, I have another, like, 15 that aren't even in there it's just another so it's like there's sounds available and there's resource available um you know that one i liked i like doing that because it was compiled it was together um you got to download each folder but once you get it you unzip have so many things you can like sit and start working with um mm-hmm. people been sending me like videos um people sent me tracks already with stuff that they made uh from the from the breaks and that's all I want you know I want more people you know to feel inspired to make music like like that's how I feel when I get sounds like um my favorite example even prior to me um so Jalen she put out this this foot work on drum pack called the kitchen mm-hmm. and all it got like all you would ever need to like make a footwork track it's so dope because like you hear Jalen's music and like it always sounded like the future like scoring scoring like I don't know I hear Jalen and um people were like yo like if, uh, if a Black Panther 2 ever came out, like we need Jalen on the soundtrack <laughs> but the fact that you know she was like here sounds that I use you know, now it could go and get those sounds and then they could be in the Black Panther too or they could score some craziness. So um, 
that's how I look at it. You don't know, like it could be another Chris Jones, like that found the brick pack. Um, they they their own person, their own right, but you know, um, they find it and they do something crazy with it, and it's like I bet. Oh my god i love that so much you know because there's so much competition in this game like people wanting to be better than one another or you know people talking down on each other's tracks and like here you are really just saying yo fuck this let's all work together and make something cool and i really respect that man i really respect that so it's like you know i i come from a point of view where the the shit that I had to go through or what I had to deal with with people, I don't want others to deal with that. They come into the game with genuine intentions. Right. It's like, you know, if if someone is passionate, they want to put the work in and they want to do what's necessary to like grow themselves and like, you know, get good at it, you know, here, like take that. Like and if am I the way I look at it is if you're serious and you got the tools and you wanna make the most of it. I look, I look for ways like, you know, if, if someone wants like the means to like go and do some shit and I have it or I can provide and it's like, all right, cool. Like I'm not even, ain't no, you know, it's nothing for me to like tweet a link. Some people, um, they'll hold on to it and be like, no, I can't give up this, this source of information that's readily available online to everybody. I just happen to have it. It's like, nah, like take that shit, you know, do your thing. And, you know, one thing I've noticed about your, 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 your music is that, you know, right now it's mostly instrumental, but I'm wondering, are you possibly looking at the, the possibility of like getting singers or collaborating with singers? Cause I would love to hear like a soulful, some soulful vocals on a Kush Jones track. I think that would pair so well together. I mean, I love it. Like I would love yeah. for that to happen, but, um, you know, whenever I, whenever I think of like, that, that kind of sound I think of um you know just like a lot of a CC Penniston or like a Kim English like mm-hmm. stuff like that mm-hmm. so um whereas nowadays you know you hear music and it's like somebody could jump on the track and like I don't know they say like dick or pussy over and over and over <laughs> and, like, and, and, then, and then it's a hit it's a hit everyone's like yo this shit go crazy and i'm like nah right. like i want somebody to sing on my shit about love or like you know like uh, i really like the old school house tracks where it's like um they singing about heartbreak and shit i'm like mm-hmm. but then they got the other remix where it's like nah i'm back i'm back better than ever like they singing the uplifting with the gospel vocals in the back like so <laughs> i want to write something like that and have like some craziness like with the vocals and um i am down to work with singers and vocalists but um just don't want it to be like a fuck one dimensional ass track i want it to be like you know they singing like like hear this shit because i play a lot of melodies i want to play a melody and then i just want like some holy ghost feeling like you know like the song come on in a club and people like yo what is this like yeah it just builds up and then the vocals drop so it's something I'm open to, um, but yeah, I definitely want it to happen the right way. And, yeah. you know, I'm open. I'm open to people like, I don't know. Yeah, I'm gonna figure it out. I'm, I'm happy you mentioned that because not many people ask me that. Yeah, no, that would be awesome. But yeah, of course, take your time because, you know, I think like sometimes when sometimes, yeah, when singers do come on the tracks, you know, it, there's got to be a certain quality to it. It's got to mesh well. So. Um, mm. Yeah, I'm excited for that for you. Um, but yeah, I have two more questions here, and then I'll stop blabbering my mouth. But um, no, nah, you're good. <laughs> you're <all right. laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. So I don't know when was that that the Future Times release came out. I was um, I think August. It was like June. No, nah, I think it was June. Yeah. Yeah. June. Yeah, June it had dropped. Um, yeah, man. Excellent stuff. Really groovy. Just groovy, groovy stuff. And I was just talking to Brain Orchestra about this. I rock with them heavy. Yo, Brain Orchestra is crazy. Like his sampling out of this world. Um, I'm a fan. I actually got a sample pack from him. Um, Like he was selling it for like 10 bucks. But I I hear like what he, like he just has taste with it. So I was like, nah, let me, let me see what bro got. But 
ten dollar sample pack, but it was just so many gems in there. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I just had to fan out real quick. I rock with him. Um, my <laughs> yeah, bad. I'm also a big fan too. Um, but yeah, like Future Times, excellent groovy stuff. But like mm. the power of vinyl, right? Like now you have something that's tangible, right? Because MP3s, they live on your computer. You can't actually touch them. But with vinyl, you can touch right. something like a relic almost that lives on even after you're gone, you know? So I wonder how that feels for you now having a piece of vinyl with your work on it. That's got to be huge. I mean, the first, yeah, it is. Like it's definitely um, something I looked at for a long time. Um, prior to that, um i had a release with it was a split release so it was myself el blanco nino and delicia mm -hmm. and on one side it was my track the other side it was a collab that they did oh. and it was um it came out on mr mo records which um, sadly i got the email a few months ago that they shut down um and then even prior to that the first physical thing that i ever dropped was um a cassette tape on juke bounce work nice. called momentum the momentum because that was like right up before the first time going to Europe and the first time traveling getting to play music overseas mm -hmm. and so a lot was building up to that and then you know um, Joey and Alexis uh, well Nora and um, Jay Drago they hit me and was like yo maybe we should do something like a physical release and then we had the release party and like RP Boo played like it was just a lot of stuff building up together and it just felt, it felt good. So did a cassette and then the 45 came out with Mr. Mo. Mm -hmm. And then for a long time, it's been like years. Um, but I, I had to play a party in DC and it just so happened um, Max from Future Time, Max D was on the lineup. So we got to meet and yeah, we were just at um, one of the homies crib just talking and they were like, yeah, if you ever want to put something out, yo, like, um, I'm down. So I looked and I was like, yo, I'll send you music like tomorrow. And yeah, I just sent the gang of stuff through. And they were like, yo, like, I want these four or do it. And one of them I actually pulled. And then I'm, I'm going to send you a different track. But I sent him something I made like a week after that. I was like, all right, here's everything. And then, yeah, it just, you know, he was about it. It went through. It was cool. Uh, a lot of support, a lot of new listeners off of that release. Mm -hmm. um, so I spoke with Max. I think we're going to try to do the album this year mm -hmm. on Future Time. Um, it'll come out later in the year, like last quarter of the year. But yeah, um, it's definitely a blessing. And you see me talk a lot of shit about working with label. Mm -hmm. Future Time is a good label. You know, they, they listen to me. I tell them what I want to do. They're cool with it. Um, they pay, like they they actually <laughs> listen. And yeah, they listen to you and uh, they, they're they about a vision. Like they don't necessarily say, we just hear the put, they actually say, right. you know, we got a vision, we got a plan. We trying to do it this way. Mm. Also, how should we move, so. That's so cool. Would would you say that uh, in the pandemic, that like right now it's somewhat like better for you career wise than pre pandemic? I mean, the reality of it is, and this is something that a lot of my friends, lock, especially black and brown artists, um, more so black folk, but um, so I look at my Bandcamp statements, right? I pay attention to when money is spent on music and just as a formality like i got things i need to pay for what's good mm. and i watched it right there was there was a point it was basically june when like all of the black Lives matter protests were like at the peak like everything was just in your face on the news there was so much going on like just as far as um police brutality like just um you know police still murdering people like craziness and I look at the band camp statements and a lot 
lot of it came in at June and it just kind of trickled down. Being at home, the DJ market being closed up, it made me reevaluate and say, well, how do I figure out a bag for myself? Or how do I put my resources together to have some income off of music where I don't have to travel, I don't have to play a gig, or I don't have to play at a bar or mm-hmm. risk um because you know there were parties over the summer in New York which was frustrating like I spoke on it but um you know I'm not going to stop you from making it paper but uh I will say a lot has formed from where um you know I can make a couple dot being at home just focusing on the music and I found other means I licensed music this time last year nice. um like some stuff for Paris Fashion Week and then um, like one little bit for Converse. Mm. And, you know, opportunities like that opened up, but you got to figure it out. You know, you can't play the show. You can't play the packed room to like 300 people. Mm. Um, I will say that, you know, I and it speaks to how you were saying with um, Frankie, just as far as community and people like, you know, not, going back because I look at all this and I'm like we can't move backwards right you know like if if these people in these venues and these companies like okay well hey we want more black artists we need more black folk or we need more diversity but stay true to that like and when I say black folk um you know like me I'm a cis black man black trans women women mm. um on the forefront it's like you know they picked and they picked and chose who they wanted to give that moment to, right. and I'm like, it can't be a moment. You got to be able to say, we're gonna put black women, black trans women, black people at the forefront, but give them a position where they can in turn put other black people in the same loop right. or the same opportunities. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I will say things things are a bit better than um, pre pandemic because um. You know, I don't have to necessarily go and argue for my place or tell people like, well, this is the work I've done. It's like you in the house, bro, like everybody in the house. So you saw. But yeah, I hope that when everything and when I say normal, you know, whatever sense of normalcy, it's like I hope people um, like the same stuff I was offered or similar stuff I was offered or more opportunities are presented to people that you know, need them or people that have been barred from them for a very long time. Right, right. Yeah, man, I really do hope so too. And um, yeah, the Carhartt feature also was incredible with the production mix out of this world, man. Thank you. Um, that whole situation was wild how that came to be. To, yeah. Even till now, um, like it started with... Um, one of the good homies, uh, Guario, very phenomenal photographer, like one of the best in New York City. Mm-hmm. Um, they hit my phone because I wear a lot of car even prior to I used to work at um, this uh, venue called Villain. It's like a warehouse type spot. Wow. But I, I would just heart because I had a jacket um, I wore like go my mom bought for me and I had it on, I had it in eighth grade, but it was way too big, like super oversized. And um, so I had fun of for wearing this big ass coat. But also I was funny as hell in school. So like, you made fun of me. I really hope you had, I really hope you had heat because I was coming with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I used to get made fun of for wearing this jacket. And, you know, I said, nah, but you know, this is a tight jacket. Like I fuck with it. So I'm gonna just keep rocking it. Mm-hmm. So um, that was my first Carhartt gear. And then like you know years later I was just like well you know working like kind of like labor jobs and different that nature so I just started buying clothes naturally um Mm. and then yeah like people were just like yo you wear so much Carhartt like you you should work for them or you should do some work with them and then I started making clothing and merch and it was like yo the Carhartt collab would be crazy and yeah, it was wild. Like, it, it kind of spoke its way into existence. And then, yeah, like, Guario hit my phone like, hey, bro, would you be interested in doing a shoot for Carhartt, like, for the lookbook? 
Wow. Sitting there like, you dead ass? He was like, yeah, bro. I was like, yo, sign <laughs> me up. Like, we out. Um, and yeah, it was cool. Um, and then from that, like, because they didn't even know each other. Like, the people with the foes didn't know um, the music side. So the music people hit me up. Um, his name is Michael Rukat. Um, and homie. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, he hit my phone like, yo, bro, are you interested in doing like a production mix? And it was funny as hell because he asked me like months in advance. Like he gave me three months and I ended up doing the mix like of, but I did it like three times and I said like, nah, I don't like how this sound. So I hit him up for an extension. <laughs> so, um, cause the production mix is, it's a lot, yo. Like, um, sometimes you look it and it's like, like it's difficult. yeah, I mean, well, now that I did one, um, it definitely puts in perspective how to go about future ones. Like I think, um, what I'm going to do going forward is I'm going to do production mixes quarterly Mm. So like at the end of each quarter, um, I'm a, cause I make I, I make tracks like I got a lot of music um, shared with folk, and sometimes people ask like, well yo you play so much other music like how would you DJ your own? I laugh cause uh, moment ready like there was one day we were um, at the lot or something playing, mm. and he mentioned that he was like, yeah bro like yo your tracks. Sometimes I feel like I can't DJ because some of your tracks be like, like, like not not necessarily difficult to play. They just different or like. Um, <laughs> and I looked and I was like, nah, bro, everything start on the one. But I feel you. So he was like, um, so comments like that, and then um, just people telling me like, well, yo, like, um, how do you come up with music or how do you make it or how what is your intention for it and. Mm-hmm. I just say, okay, well, let me interpretation of how it should be made. But, um, yeah, it was, it was like, I think it was 50 something songs in that mix. If you give me the same one to mix it, mix it again, I would do it completely different. So, yeah. um, production mix is dense, but it's definitely fun to do. And it's good to like, look back. It's good to look back at a body of work mm-hmm. and say, well, here's the progress. Um, Sometimes you hear, you, like me, I hate listening to some of my own music because I'll just be like, yo, so many times, like, it's kind of <laughs> cringe. Um, yeah. Which people say, no, you should love it because it's great. And I'm like, yeah, bro. But like when you're in the studio or like when you when you DJ in it all time and you hear it so often, mm-hmm. um, don't give me got a handful of tracks where it's like, yo, that, that I made where it's like it come on and I'm like, yo, like, I could listen to this shit all day. Um, I, I keep it balanced where it's like it's, it's older stuff and then um, but yeah that mix uh, that mix was a lot of tracks from um, it wasn't a lot of my older stuff which people have a liking to so maybe the next production mix um, I'll do like some older like 20 like 2015 2016 um, tracks Man, I can't wait to hear it I actually meant to ask you I don't think this was on I think I heard it on a rent show I think you, you did a footwork, well, it was a kind of footwork-esque uh, remix to uh, Jill Scott's Long Walk. Was it, or did you produce that track, or? Oh, um, it's a, yeah, it had licks in it. And that's my joint. Um, I had it on SoundCloud for a free download. Um, and it was because, like, I, I used to be um, on SoundCloud where I'll upload a track and I would take it down in like 24 hours. But this thing, this this remix or this edit, it was kind of that same vibe where um, the homie would be like, yo, bro, like I was looking for this, but it's gone. Yeah. Um, it's still up on my SoundCloud, but um, the downloads are like done. Like it was a hundred, it was a hundred oh. downloads. But yeah, it, it made me think of like, you know, when it was cool to hit up people for music that way. Like I had mad DJs, um, a lot of DJs from Foundation. Uh, it was like about three or four of them. I'm not gonna cap. It wasn't like a ton, but uh, <laughs> it was like three, four of them. Mm-hmm. And it was like, yo, like that Jill Scott, like we need that. Like, all right, here, like you know, it's the downloads were gone. But I was like, yo, take it. Um, oh man, yeah, because I was yeah. trying to find it, and I was like, where is it? I can't find it. 
<laughs> Yo, say say less, say less. Um, send me an email. It'll be in the inbox. Woohoo! Okay, awesome. Um, but yeah, now mm. it seems like we're moving into a different world post-pandemic or when post-pandemic comes um, with this world mm. of cryptocurrency, right? Like now they've got these things called NFTs that are coming out um, that you can essentially like yeah. buy cryptocurrency artwork or potentially cryptocurrency music online. Are you with that? Like, are you down for that yep. to happen if it does occur? Hell yeah, I'm with that. That's so much, there's so much money in that market. Um, <laughs> already, I'm already working with some homies um, to do some 3D art. Um, I'm gonna shout them about Dev Moore. Uh, they got Felt Magazine. Felt Magazine is dope because basically they have their own NFT like um, like shop. So you can go in, cause there are tons of talented designers that work for them. And they make NFTs, they're like, um, you know, here's our marketplace where you can shop and like pick up anything you you you're rocking with. But mm -hmm. I rock with Dev because um, you know, Dev kind of hit my line like, yo, um, if you want to make the like, here we could go try it out, you know. So they did like a sick 3D design or 3D graphic like over them DJing one of my tracks. Wow. So they were like, all right, so what we'll do is, you know, we'll split 50-50. Um, I'll upload it to the marketplace and I'll show you the process. I'll show you like, these, this is how things are done. Um, and then he also said, if you want, I could do a 3D face scan because they make music videos. Like that's actually how we started chatting. Um, their music videos are fire, but they do like this digital face scan of um, whoever they're going to put into the video. So I said, yeah, bro, no doubt. Like I trust you, like, let's, let's get it. Um, we put that clip of him DJ up on the market and it already got bids. Like it's, it's like significant money. Whoa. So I look and I say, yeah, I look and I say in this grand scheme of things, um, they're also about education and advocacy for people learning how to do this. Cause I'm not going front. Like I came in and I just know, like I talked to a few other people mm -hmm. um, that do cryptocurrency. And I say, okay, you know, what is the best way to like go about investing? How do I buy crypto? Like, um, cause in New York, they make it so hard. Like it, it make it so hard for me at least to buy crypto. I have to go through so many loops and hurdles. Yeah. Uh, but again, when you have homies and friends that are like hip or they're like, yo, this is what you need to do. I'll help you out. And then even myself, it's like, whatever I learn, if I see someone else asking questions, or they're like, yo, what did you invest in? Or like, what's the move right now? I'm just like, yo, like we we could we could get this together. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's necessary. I really do like the NFT market because, um, you know, it provides like you can make you can make a year's salary off of one piece if it's done correctly, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and then if not then it's like okay you sell three pieces and you made a year's salary or uh it definitely provides like income that makes sense for the artwork because um nice. you know I, I got friends where like Bandcamp day has been helpful right a bank camp day which is like definitely putting money in artists pockets mm. but imagine Bandcamp day and then you make an nft with the music but then you make the contract where uh, it's licensing as it's a licensing deal, as opposed to like, you're giving up the rights to your music, right. you know? And yeah, and then you got double the bag. Like you, you got the same track, the same art, but you just made double the money because you sat down and made it that way. Like you put it on the marketplace correctly. So. Yeah, that's um, huge. And then I say all that, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, no doubt. Like, um, I have to say, like, you know, again, I don't fully know shit. Like, I'm <laughs> literally late, but, you know, I could put two and two together. I read and I'm just like, like, yeah, this is powerful, you know. Um, mm -hmm. If you if you got people on your side and I rock with Felt Zine, um, Dev Moore, if you reach them, like, literally, they have been helpful. And, and through them, other people reached out and said, well, y'all got a workshop. Um, I got like 
doing like a talk um they said clubhouse but i don't fuck with clubhouse you won't ever catch me on clubhouse but (laughs) if you want to call my phone and tell me what's up or you got like a chat room or something yeah yeah my ass ain't getting on clubhouse it's so toxic in there (laughs) it is really toxic and you know what i hate about clubhouse everybody thinks there's a, a damn expert on something you know and it's like people who have like never done the thing that they're talking about just like talking to shit you know <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah it's crazy in there it's crazy oh, i mean it's i mean you just described twitter too you describe every social media but clubhouse yeah. is like it's like it dissected that piece out of everything and it's just like yo we over here with it i'm just like yo <laughs> it's so messy um let me not say that completely like there's some clubhouse rooms that make sense but right. um one of my homies was like yo bro like i got to invite the clubhouse and i was like what they talking about on there and he just he he kind of gave me a synopsis. I'm like, nah, I'm cool, bro. Like you you, you keep your like, that's a part I want to be in. Yeah, man. But um, but yeah, I I do see NFTs becoming a game changer for artists in the future. Um, but yeah, thank you so so much for taking the time out. If people want to learn more about Chris Jones and find your music, where do they find you? Yeah, I mean, I just be telling people Google Kush Jones. Not to sound big-headed, but it's like, <laughs> yo, like, I, yo, the internet really be your friend. Like, I just be like, yo, um, I put a lot of music on Bandcamp. Like, Bandcamp is mainly, but um, through recent advice from one of the homies, I'm about to start uploading more to, like, streaming mm-hmm. platforms. So, um, the last project I put out was Yellow Cake. Um, but Yellow Cake is already in the realm to be up on streaming uh strictly from my cdj's 13 pretty much every project going forward will be uploaded to streaming mm-hmm. and then i'm gonna go back and put the back catalog up for streaming that way um all the old older music is there because um there's like a whole year of music that i didn't upload to streaming like mm-hmm. i did an ep for each month last year so it's like um none of that is on streaming right now but um, a lot of people ask me, so I'm gonna I'm gonna put that back up, and but yeah, to answer all that, yo, just Chris Jones anywhere, <laughs> that camp. Um, I'm on Twitter a lot. I, I need to cut that shit out though, but yeah, I'm around. Just um, yeah, holla at me. We're coming out of the interview between me and the prolific Kush Jones. What an absolute sweetheart and just incredible to chat with him. Um, I'm really, really looking forward to see where he's heading next. Please support his music. I'll have a link to his band camp below in the comments section so you can go cop all the projects. Uh, and super exciting news to hear that we're going to be uh, blessed with volume 13 of the Strictly For My CDJ series. I know it's going to be pure flames. Well, that's it for this episode. Thank you so much to everyone for locking in. If you'd like to make a donation to the bod, please do at patreon.com slash clubmanagement1. I'll have a link to our link tree in the comments. That's a tongue twister. <laughs> so you can donate if you'd like. You get access to early episodes, bonus content, and other goodies. So we'd love to have you over there. Peace, love, and God bless. Until next time. <laughs>